hello and welcome to this episode of Healing the Whole Person. I am your host today, Angela Tomlinson, but I have a lot of help here in the studio. We miss Joan McHugh so much that we have to have five people here that give us uh, some help. And today's guest, you won't be disappointed, today's guest is Kyle Clement. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with Kyle, he's been a presenter at a number of our healing conferences. But uh, Kyle has been involved in the consultation and formation of priests and the lady relating to Catholic liberation and exorcism for over 15 years. A member of the religious association Societas Matris Dolorisime, which is the Society of the Most Sorrowful Mother, he provides instruction, evaluation, consultation, and ongoing formation for exorcists, diocese, and religious institutes in the United States and abroad. Kyle screens over 500 cases each year of suspected extraordinary diabolical activity. Recently, the Societas Matris Dolorisime, with Clement as a founding member, established the Liber Cristo movement, which provides tools for healing and deliverance in order to restore the Catholic definition to these activities. Uh, Kyle is considered one of the foremost Catholic authorities on spiritual warfare and related topics, and he is very loyal to the magisterium of the Roman Catholic Church. Welcome, Kyle. Hello, Angela. It's good to be with you today. It's great to have you today. And we have in our audience, for those who are just tuning in, a newbie to the show. We have Deacon Frank DeFrank, who is from um, St. Patrick's Church in Lake Forest. He's just here to see what it's all about. Welcome, welcome, Deacon Frank. Thank you. Thank you. And we have a member of our healing team. We're getting ready, Kyle, for our Big Angels and Demons Conference that's coming up on October 26th and 27th. So we were just meeting on that, and some of them stayed on for the uh, show. So we have Carolyn Munda, who's, we're trying to get some priests to hear confessions on Friday. So if there's any priests in our listening audience that would like to do an act of mercy, give us a call at 224-206-8455. Carolyn's kind of working on the roster for us so that we can have confessions continuously throughout the conference or the most many hours as we can. We have Jeanette Teller. Jeanette, what parish are you from? St. Patrick's in McHenry. Another St. Patrick's. So we see we have that breastplate of St. Patrick's all around us. So we have Jeanette, and Jeanette's helping us on that healing team. Ian Oakley from? Libertyville. Libertyville, St. Joseph's Church in Libertyville. And we have Patrick Berktold, who is from? Santa Maria del Popolo. Santa Maria del Popolo. So you have a whole group, Kyle. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much for your prayers and your constant support. Well, more than ever, we need them, don't we? We do. We We definitely do. do. And so, Kyle, what's the subject? Why don't you talk a little bit about what the subject's going to be for today's healing show? Well, I think today we look at um, what what is in most need of healing, and it is our church. When we look at healing and healing... Um, I think that we're called first and foremost to define healing. To define healing, we've got to look to how our Lord healed. He always made a connection between dis-ease, disease, or dis-ease, the lack of peace, the lack of health, and sin. And so whether that was our sin, the sins of parents, the sins of community, whatever that was, Sin is part of our fallen nature. Disease and corruption, rot, those things are a result of our fallen nature. When we look at the concept, as St. Thomas said, that grace perfects nature, we see that we must turn to God for grace to perfect our fallen nature. 
this gives us the, the basis or the foundation for healing. The Catholic definition of healing is found in the Domini Nom Sum Dignus, in our response to the Agnus Dei, in our response to the priest who holds the host, who holds the Blessed Sacrament and says, Ecce Agnus Dei, behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world, quoting St. John the Baptist, whose martyrdom we celebrated just a week or so ago. It is important to understand what our response is. Domini nom sum dignus, et interest subtectum meum, septantum dic verbo et sanabitur anima mea. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. I think that this is the key to understanding the malady of the church. Our bishops have lost sight of the fact that this is about souls. This is about souls. It's not about politics. It's not about comfort. It's not about satisfaction. Healing is not about the cessation of human suffering. It is about the reconciliation with God the Father through the sacrifice of Christ. The perfection of the priesthood, the perfection of the holy orders in priesthood, is the bishop, the episcopacy, to be called to be the apostle, to be apostolic. We've lost sight of that, and they have lost sight of that. Priesthood is about sacrifice, offering of sacrifice, first and foremost, ourselves. I, as a married layman, my vocation is to offer myself in my domestic church, first in spousal union with my wife, meaning to totally give myself to her, and then to be about the raising of children, the fruit of that marriage. A priest is no different. It's about a total gift of self, no reservation. We must go back to the very foundation, and that is spousal sacrifice ultimate sacrifice. A priest is to make sacrifice of himself first and foremost. What this means is that in order to discharge the priesthood, one must master chastity. This is straight out of canon law. It is straight out of the papal encyclicals about all direction on priesthood is there must be they must be chaste. I, as a married man, must be chaste. In order to contemplate vocation, I must be able to control those desires, those appetites which militate against holiness. This idea that as long as a man is not, quote, acting out on his sexual desires, whether they're ordered or deviant, the fact is, is if he is acting out, then the horse is long left the barn. He can't even engage in the thoughts of these in a habitual manner. He must demonstrate the ability to be chaste. What we've seen is we as lay people have not spoken up. Shame on us. Shame on us. We have not spoken up. We've not gone to the fathers and said, look, there's a woman staying at your rectory. I know that. The parish knows that. You cannot do that. Father, there is a young man staying in your rectory. He can't do that. You can't do that. 
shame on us for not speaking up because we missed the opportunity for fraternal correction to talk to our priest, to talk to these men who would be bishops. Once this deviancy, once this disorderedness works its way into the church, there's sadly only one result and one and then one answer, and it's radical. If I am sick, if I, if I am sick, then oftentimes what will happen is I will try the home remedies. I will do this. I will do that. I will even be outrageous in the old home remedies that I might try to avoid going to the doctor. Because I know that when I go to the doctor, he will look me in the eye and he will say, you will have to stop doing certain things or you will have to adopt doing certain things. One of the aversions that we have to the doctor is not the pain. It's the straight talk when he says, if you want to live, you must stop doing this. Insert whatever it may be. We are at the point where we must go to the doctor. There must be a radical change. The doctor we must go to is the ultimate doctor, the ultimate healer, and that is Christ, who looks at us from the cross and says, join me. Join me. Bring up here what is lacking. Join to me what is lacking. And the only thing that's lacking is our joining our suffering to his. This is Catholic. This is unpopular. This is not political. This is simply us returning to the spousal commitment that we owe Christ and that we owe God the Father. It is returning to the Domini Nom Sum Dignus, Lord, I am not worthy, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. It is amazing to me that on Sunday morning, we will watch 250 or 300 people in a 400 person mass go to communion and how many went to confession. We have to understand that we must present ourselves on Sunday in reconciliation with God the Father. It's about Him. It's not about us. So to be about this healing, we have to address the radical things that are wrong in the church, and we have to do it in a way that there's a clarity. It can't be a small course correction. We pass that point. We are obese. We are grossly fat and lazy because we have not made those changes. Now it's going to be really, really hard. It's going to be really hard, but we've got to do it. That's the intro today. So how do we be about healing the church? Wow, Kyle. <laughs> you didn't mince any words. You know, here's the thing, Kyle. We were just talking about that in our group earlier because you know I, I was brought up and i read that pieta prayer book i don't know if people are familiar with that little blue prayer book but it says you should never criticize the priest well that's true however we must understand that there is not another term for uh, there's only three terms for a priest father reverend and presbyter it's very difficult in the laity now to address them with father or with reverend. If they do not recognize the obligation, exactly who they are. And so in the book of Judges in the Old Testament, the book ends in chapter 19 with a Levite, a priest, 
who has a concubine and is going about the countryside in open um, transgression. He's so blind to his sin that he forgets that he's a priest, but the laity know he's a priest. And it's only through their testimony and through their admonition that he do, that he realizes this. And in your book, it's interesting that you mention the Pieta or the Pieta. You know which book, book I'm talking about? That little blue prayer book, Kyle? It, it's named for the picture on its cover. Yes, and that mother. picture is the Blessed Mother holding the broken body of her son. Both of them, now the word Pieta means the height of piety. The height. There can be no more pious than this image. What does piety mean? It means love of God the Father to the point of sacrifice. At this moment, in this image, Michelangelo captures the Blessed Mother holding the broken body of her son, and neither one of them can give any more to God the Father. They have given all that they possibly can give. That's what priesthood is about. That's what humanity is about. So yes, I will criticize those who do not, and I expect them to criticize me. Well, well, we know our current way of <laughs> of handling is not not working, is it? It's, it is not. I think not that's one of the heights of the you know the definition of insanity is to keep doing what you're doing, expecting a different result. <clears throat> As you're talking, I'm thinking of all of the priests that have never abused their um, their direction, their their priesthood, and my heart goes out to them because I'm sure they feel every time we look at them that we're wondering, and I don't know how we address that. Although not to demean any of the uh, offenses or the victims of those offenses, but I my heart does reach out to them. You bring up a you bring up an excellent point, and and my prayers are for them, first and foremost, is those men who are engaged in the active vocation of priesthood, as our Lord intended, who are about giving themselves, who are about keeping themselves pure, who are about ordering every single iota of their life and every breath to giving themselves to God. My prayers first and foremost to them. And they are the majority. And through, well, whether they're the majority or the minority, our prayer must be for them so that by their example, they convict their brothers. They convict their brother priests. They convict others. Because one of the things of masculinity, one of the things of ordered masculinity is, I will choose my friends among those who will bring out the best in me. Not who will tell me how good I am or how handsome or how athletic. No, I want to be challenged and challenged in a positive way. I want friends who will make me want to be a better husband, a better man, a better brother. If we order our friendships to those who will affirm us in our mediocrity or even in our sin, then we are misusing relationship. We are abusing relationship. And so the men who are doing this correctly, they're willing to suffer for their brothers because it's about suffering. So my prayer for them is their perseverance and their courage. My prayer for the others is, look at your brother priest, 
find somebody to model your behavior after. Find someone to help you be Christ to you and see Christ in them. And so I think that we have to stay focused. Yes, will people suffer needlessly? Will they be falsely persecuted? Absolutely. And in that, they are most Christ-like. Very good. You know, Kyle, one of the things um, that we were dealing with here in the Archdiocese of Chicago was there was a statement by our Cardinal, and um, his statement was, and, and not to make it personal, but I think that the, the current tone is to point to a study that was performed, I can't remember the name of it, the John, something Johnson study, or the, does anyone know the name of that study that was being pointed to, Kyle? John, John Hopkins. John, uh, the study at John Hopkins University yes. in 2002. Yes, yes. There was a study. Thanks. <coughs> the, the Deacon Frank just uh, told me what it was. They're pointing to the study as a way to um, enlighten us on why there's been so much silence about what's going on in the church and why it's acceptable. Are you familiar with it by any chance? Only in the sense that uh, just very not to speak to the study itself other than to speak to the use of it which is distraction and what do you mean by that distraction here's the scene is i am standing talking to an oncologist a cancer doctor and we're looking at my chest x-ray and there's a big spot on my lung and i'm arguing with him saying new studies show that smoking actually does not cause cancer how what an idiot I am there the study doesn't have anything to do with the fact that there is a spot on my lung and we're both looking at it do you understand what I'm saying we're ignoring the, the issue we're ignoring the issue it's precisely we're ignoring the issue the church has become especially our cardinals and a lot of the hierarchy has become political and not apostolic this is about souls gentlemen this is about souls fathers this is about souls cardinals this is not about plastic in the ocean this is about eternal life this is about souls and when you lose sight of that then you've lost sight of who you are supposed to be and who you serve well I, I think there's such a fear I think of being you know politically incorrect right now among oh, there's been uh, you know pressure among Catholics to be you know I, I guess that's the right word for it. Is it can someone help me out everyone's looking at me here in the studio but Kyle I think do you know what I'm talking about I think there's been like this feeling that I, you have to be com politically correct that, and, I know exactly okay, what you're ahead. saying what that does is it takes every bit of the it takes every bit of the clarity every bit of the absolute truth out of the situation and it plays to relativism and modernism which we had ample warning against that these things would happen and when we become relativist and modernist and say well we have to respect everyone's opinion simply because it's opinion then we become blind there is a name that if you do not know this name I would like for you to research it there was a person named Bella Dodd who gave testimony that said very high-ranking communist that said this is how we will infiltrate the seminaries and the churches in the United States this is how we will turn you over 
we have to pay attention because it's exactly what has happened. And who, Homo who does she represent, Homo Kyle, for those Homo who don't know? Would it refer, go, begin at the beginning with Bella Dodd and who she was nope. and who she, want, who she wanted to infiltrate the church. She worked Precise, for the communists, they, I believe. It was the Communist yeah. Party, and she was giving testimony with regard to how they were going to infiltrate and compromise the church. Oh, they did. And it will chill you to the bone because it's exactly what's been done. And what did she say, Kyle, for what, from what you remember? What was, her, what was her strategy? There were three things that she, would, that, that she put forward, and it was, the, it was basically a communist manifesto against the Catholic Church in the United States. And incidentally, it's also part of Freemasonry. We need to talk about this stuff openly. Um, your cardinal, incidentally, recognized an archbishop here recently, gave him a, an award. Um, both of these men very questionable in their <coughs> political acumen. But this particular archbishop was promoting Freemasonry among Catholics. The Catholic Church, it is, it is prohibited for a man to join Freemasonry if he's Catholic. Very simple. And that's not been changed. And so the idea that you can do both, that you can, you can become both secular and Catholic, that is a uniquely Cath uh, American concept that has happened in the last 60 to 80 years. We were always Catholic first. We should be Catholic first. We are the, the conscience of the culture. But when we become political, and what she said was, we will make them political, we will infiltrate these seminaries with homosexuality, and we will promote from within. If that doesn't chill you, I don't know what does. Mm -hmm. wow. I don't know a lot about her, what she wrote, but what I did hear is that they would go out to choose the most promising, the most intelligent, if you will, or attractive, et cetera, and they would just aim for these individuals and then nurture them into their culture. And, and how did they get them in the church? You're saying they came into the church as priests or religious? Yes, they they uh, they came into the came into the seminaries, um, and infiltrated many of the orders. And of course, they went into the instructive orders, the orders that were running the universities and the seminaries. Um, and as you can tell, those orders are those who have, that have suffered most with orthodoxy, defense of the truth, and being continuous in their proclamation of the faith. The idea that we need to remake the church or that someone comes into a, a bishop or a cardinal or even a holy father position with an agenda is absolute against the apostolic uh, mission. And Kyle, I'm going to have to interrupt you. We're just going to take a quick break. For those of you just tuning in, you're listening to Kyle Clement. We have a studio audience and we're talking about healing the mystical body of Christ. Stay tuned. Hello, I am Bishop Don Hying from the Diocese of Gary, Indiana. Catholic Radio has a remarkable reach into the minds and hearts of all sorts of people who may not be going to church, who may not have any other connection to learning about the faith. I know so many people have grown in the Catholic faith because they listen to Catholic Radio. 
WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Well, hello and welcome back to this episode. You're listening to Healing the Whole Person. I'm your host, Angela Tomlinson. We have a packed house of studio audience here today, and our guest is Kaya Clement. We are talking today, you know, we say healing the whole uh, person, mind, soul, body, and spirit. And today, you know, we're all members of the body of Christ, so we're talking about healing the body of Christ. So welcome back, Kyle. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. I think that to, to not necessarily take a slightly different direction, but maybe to step back just a moment and look at the... When we are looking at healing the whole person, healing being defined as reconciliation with God the Father through Christ the Son and His sacraments, then we look at what impedes healing, what, what prohibits healing or what prohibits that reconciliation, and it is impediments to grace. And so I'm going to ask all of us, because we're all in this together, to use this exercise as an impediment to, to identify impediments to grace in our own life. Do I become emotionally charged over politics or over things of the culture? Do I diminish the merit of my prayer through worry? Do I rush through the moments of grace in, in anticipation of the Mass? Am I going to the sacrament of penance? Am I going to the sacrament of penance to be reconciled with God the Father or simply to make myself eligible for the Eucharist? They're two different things. To be reconciled with God the Father is to give thanks to God for being born in this time, in this tumult, into this chaos, into this war, because God so deigned that our souls live now so that we would have the most salvific purpose not to bemoan what's happening, but to do something about it, to do something about it through our merit and through our prayer. Am I pure? Am I chaste? Am I practicing custody of the mind? Am I doing everything that I possibly can to increase the merit of my prayer? Am I Christ's presence in the world today? Those are the questions that we must ask ourselves and so, so that our prayer has merit so that we are just men when we cry out to God so that we are fully aware fully aware of the need for this world to be reconciled this church to be reconciled 
with God the Father. And you know, Kyle, uh, just along those lines, there's two things. One is um, at the break, uh, Patricia, who's in the studio audience but doesn't have a mic. And do you want to paraphrase? If, you know, along those lines, her nope, she's saying no. I think I, I Patricia. Will. Okay, go ahead, okay. Carolyn. Yeah, she was she was um, asking about the the decline in people attending mass, and then how could how could we how should we be responding? And I think you already spoke to that, Kyle. But how should we be responding to what's happening in our church? And she's talking about like just recently since this whole um, the the uh, homosexual clergy sexual scandal uh, reared its head. I think Patricia, you're talking about most recently the past few weeks is declining. This is nothing new, sadly. Um, there is a remnant faith. God has never depended on numbers. It's always been on holiness and piety. So we must increase our prayer. The number of people in the pews, the number of people in the mass is not the test. The question is, what is being offered up for reparation? Where are the prayers of the just people? Don't be distracted. Continue to go. Continue to pray. But speak very straightforward to your priest. Remember that we've lost the opportunity to speak straightforward. We need to recapture that. We need to, to speak to our priest about the crisis. Bring this out into the open. And it's, it, it's about prayer and reparation. Anyone can point the finger now because everyone knows that the emperor has no clothes. Everyone knows that the episcopacy is in crisis in this country. Everyone knows that the USCCB has lost their credibility. Everyone knows that fill in the blank. So we don't need to state the obvious as much as, Father, can we do 40 hours reparation every other weekend? Father, what can we do for reparation? Father, how can we help you? pray for your brother priest when we start having that conversation then i think we're starting to to turn the corner then i think we're starting to actually do something and then here is the big one because of the decline in the quality of the priesthood the episcopacy the quality of the episcopacy has declined all of this goes back to roughly the last 50 to 60 years when we begin to allow people into the seminary who should not have been allowed into the seminary and we begin to promote them well that is done we can't go back and undo but I would charge every priest every bishop every, for sure every cardinal in this country to reflect on the following are you political do you have a political agenda? Do you want to change the teaching of the church as it stood for 20 centuries? Do you want to reform this church in a way that is not about saving souls, but is about satisfaction or popularity? If you say yes to any of those questions, resign. If you are having a problem with any disordered desires, any disordered desires, if you are not chaste, resign. Step away and remove yourself from the wound that is needing to heal, that can heal if you remove yourself from it. The monasteries and the convents are empty because of our practices over the last 
50 to 60 years. Go fill them. You go. You go and enter those monasteries and those convents and begin to pray in silent reparation. Pray in reparation for the healing of the church. No talks, no seminars, no books, no interviews, no spiritual direction. Disappear into the cloister and offer the rest of your life in repertory prayer for the church. And we as laity will support you. We will feed you. you we will clothe you. We will heat you. We will cool you. <clears throat> And we'll pray for them. And we will pray for your we'll perseverance, but right. remove yourself, fathers. Remove yourselves. Yes. And, you know, Kyle, when you just mentioned that over the past, I think, did you say 50 or 60 years we uh, had this issue? Uh, Deacon Frank had a comment about the, was it the Belladod study? Oh, well, when you were, um, uh, Kyle, when you were talking about the communist strategy as being implemented by Belladod, <clears throat> It reminded me of something St. John Paul II uh, spent his whole uh, papacy, and that was culture. Change the culture. He did that in Poland. And one of the names, and when I was reflecting on St. John Paul's writing, the communist Antonio Gramsci, an Italian communist, he saw that the communist direct affront, the attack, was never going to work. So he said, no, we infiltrate the schools. We infiltrate the churches. We do it in a very subtle way over time. Let's don't get stupid. We will win in the end. And it seems to me that um, some of, I don't know how many uh, of the hierarchy even know who Antonio Gramsci is because he lived in the mid-19th century in Italy. but. Consciously or unconsciously, they're picking up his strategy, and they're and they have tr and they've implemented that kind of thinking, with uh, in my mind theologically disordered positions, and that's why we find ourselves in many ways in the in the disorder what we that we have in the church today. I don't know. That's just a, a quick thought. Once you mention Belladad. I think it's very poignant, and I think that's the conversation we should have. Nikita Khrushchev pointed at a television camera and said, it was translated, but he said, we will take your country, meaning communists will take America, and will never fire a shot. Very prophetic. And this idea of enculturation is exactly backwards. We should enculturate native peoples. We should enculturate the culture by bringing Catholic practices into the culture, not the culture into Catholic practices. Amen. It's exactly backwards. I'm glad Frank mentioned the schools and universities because um, one thing that's bothered me for many, many, many years is a, a nephew that I have. I'm from the East Coast, and he went to a Catholic university. He was an altar boy and a very devoted Catholic and came out as a very anti-Catholic because of the instruction he received within the Catholic community. Sadly, 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 this is a theme that we need to pick up and we need to put forward, and that is this. I have watched and have experienced good, properly faith-formed Catholics go to university and become deformed. 
it's amazing to me that across the Midwest, I grew up farming, ranching, it's hard work, and watched people spend their money and do without to send their children to an institution where someone immediately set about corrupting their mind, getting them to challenge authority, and getting them to disrespect the very man who is sweating to send them to college. There, it, enough of this, uh, particularly the religious orders that are charged with institutions, they must come under strict scrutiny because when you set about systematically to destroy the relationship between a son and his father, you are militating against God Almighty. You're militating against the church, and we will not have it anymore. We will not do it anymore. When you've got a priest, uh, I mean, a president of a Catholic university who makes the statements that he makes and, and gets away with it, we as, as parents need to say, no more. You, you don't get our money anymore. You don't get our children anymore. Understand that you have lost the trust of the laity. You have lost it. Why would we send our children to you to deform them because that's what you've been doing and we see it. Now let's talk about it. Now let's demand reform and respect, not respect for us, but respect for God in our office. This, the idea also that to diminish the vocation of marriage. This is one of the things that we really have to hold the presbyterate to, hold their feet to the fire is matrimony and proper marriage is the font of grace that will fill the seminaries that will repair the church but you have to honor what's being done in the domestic church you do not get to diminish the relationship between parent and child don't you ever do it again well you know kyle it's just so um not to be debbie downer in this group (laughs) But, you know, it's funny, being a Catholic, I know we grew up and I went to Catholic elementary school through college. Being a Catholic was a lot more than just teaching the, you know, so-called religion. It affected how history was taught, for example. Our view of history. We had a Catholic, yes. right? The Crusades and the, you know, and what happened in history. And now it's just, it seems as though this poison has... That's part of that, that's part of that political, that political agenda is if I say, I'll say three words and you just feel what happens within you. I'll say three words and you feel what happens within you. This makes my point about revisionist history and how the world has turned against, turned the population, the general population against the Catholic Church. Here are the three words. Are you ready? Yes, we're ready. Dogma, crusade, inquisition. Mm -hmm. Wow. And what do you have to say about those three words? Dogma is an incontrovertible truth. It is something that we as Catholics much must assent to. Not necessarily believe, but assent, order our life. For instance, there are four Marian dogmas. It's necessary for us to assent to them, go beyond believing in them, but to proclaim them, let them define us. Dogma is an incontrovertible truth. Crusade. The Crusades were many, many things, none of which modern history talks about. 
none of which modern history talks about, which was the preservation of the holy sites and the holy lands and the preservation of the ability to come and go. Inquisition. If you read the church accounts of Inquisition, it was about the salvation of souls. It was about the salvation of souls. But revisionist history was written by those who were ferreted out during the Inquisition as being enemies of the church. So read the church accounts, read those accounts, but let's redeem history as well as redeeming our faith. Let's reclaim history, reclaim our faith. Incidentally, there is some wonderful books out there um, by Catholic authors who go back to church sources, one of which is Characters of the Inquisition by Kiplinger. There's also The Crusades. I think that's by Catholic Classics that goes back to that. And then go to Ludwig Ott to read the doctrines and dogmas of the Catholic Church. What you read there will sing to your soul and put you back on track. And Kyle, just two quick things along those lines. First of all, I wanted to just announce to our audience that I guess we'll be teaming up for a weekly show. And these are excellent subjects that we might want to talk about. One could be, if you were open to it, I know that you've studied the Crusades. Maybe we could take them one by one and try to reclaim the truth for the Catholic faith and what really happened. And then the second comment I have is Deacon Frank wanted to say something. Were you going to say something, Frank? About oh, I, I wanted to go back, <clears throat> Kyle, because I, I, I'm a, I guess I'm a practitioner. Uh, when you asked the question early on, how do we heal? And I interpret the we to mean individually and, and, and then from the church's standpoint on a, a broader basis. And, and within, I think we've talked about it. We're talking about total self-love. We're talking about loving God in, with all our hearts. And when we talk about our heart, we're talking about everything that makes us who we are and then try to live out of that. If we don't go for starting from within, nothing will matter in going from without because we're going to be taking something we don't have. So healing from within. But when we talk about uh, without outside of ourselves, then we take our prayer life, our Mass, our Eucharist, our devotion to Mary. We can fast. We can reduce the noise in our heads so the Spirit can speak to us. But then some of us will be called if, where, we're, where we're situated, in a location, with the position, with the level of knowledge that we have, and the extent to which we are capable of participating actively uh, to address these things. And there is so much now uh, coming from the laymen and women who are calling now for renewal, change, accountability. So to me, there's a whole panoply of action that within and without as to how we can begin the process of healing personally and in terms of Holy Mother Church. I don't know, maybe I'm off base here, but it's it's a thought. Frank, Frank, Frank do me a favor. Don't diminish that by saying you're off base. <laughs> <laughs> You are so far off base, now you have to steal second. What I mean is you're committed. I love where you're going, <laughs> and you're exactly right. Take that big lead and go go to second. Go to the next base, which is we've got to scrub ourselves if we're going to put our hands into this mess. So get clean, get pure, stop worrying, pray. First commandment. This is a militant living of the first commandment, and whatever you do, do not be silent. No, no, no. 
silence has gotten us to this point, but it was the silence of timidity and cowardice. Mm -hmm. We must speak. Kyle, I think I know enough to be dangerous because I don't know much about anything, but I have heard that Mary spoke to our priests and asked them themselves to do some cleaning up, and they didn't do that. So I've heard that now she's going to do it her way, and I guess this is part of her way <laughs> to really expose everything. And you know, She's opened up the whole attic and has shown us everything. Yes, continue to pray for the purification of the church realize that this is this we're not at plan a we're not at plan b we're not at plan c we're way way down there and so i tell you what we're at plan j we're at plan jesus and that is to give ourselves the way he gave himself and people will either climb up on the cross with you or they're going to make fun at you they'll spit on you they'll jeer at you but either way we have to do what we have to do, what we're called to do is perfect our spousal sacrifice, our gift through vocation. Kyle, uh, I recently read a statement by Arch Archbishop DiNardo, and he one of the sentences in his presentation that struck me was, he said, it's time to turn down the temperature. My feeling is it's not time to turn down the temperature, but raise it as far up as possible. And to me, that's, that's the mindset with which I proceed with regard to these issues. I, I agree with you. And with regard to the Episcopate, these guys have lost, the USCCB has lost any credibility. They simply lost it until I see every single one of them kneeling, head uncovered in front of the Eucharist, mm -hmm. doing some mm -hmm. serious adoration as a group, willing to police themselves, willing to enter the monasteries, shut the door, no conferences, no spiritual direction, no talk, no books, no articles, no nothing. Until they're willing to do that, then we're not going anywhere. No politicking, huh? No politicking, none whatsoever. But I'm going to tell you, this is about souls. It's not about plastic in the ocean. Uh, Kyle, perhaps, I, I'm sure you're aware of this, but recently also Archbishop Chaput made, a, call, made a, a plea to the Holy Father that cancel, postpone this Synod on Youth in October. We don't have, a, he's saying, we don't have enough credibility to make that work. So let's call a Synod of bishops and get the bishops together to, to, to come to grips with who they should be, what they should become, and get about to doing it. I, I don't know where this is going, I, but I'm glad he said it. I agree, Frank, but here's the only addendum I'll put. I agree. But the bishops have to go to listen, not to talk. Wow. I, I hear you. Well, Carolyn, you have, we're going to have to shut this down in a couple of minutes. Carolyn, go ahead. Okay, just quickly, uh, at my parish, what I love, the fruit of what's happening is that they called a novena and the priests are leading this adoration every night and as a lay person my soul sings with joy when i see my priest praying adoration instead of just the lay people i want to be led in prayer i don't need to hear lots of words all even though but to see that my soul just sang with joy so, so i just beautiful. i just want to encourage our priests out there we're looking for you to be our leaders in prayer in front of the eucharist and i thank my priests at my parish for that wow so so very well said. That right there is exactly what we're talking about. Let the shepherds step up and get among the sheep. And those who aren't, now is the time to leave. Remove yourself. 
remove yourself. But so well said. We will we will follow those shepherds who are willing to lead us to holiness, not to political activism. Kyle, you're not going to believe it, but we only have a couple minutes left. We had a number of prayer requests, and I know um, I know one of them that's near and dear to my heart. There's a woman who volunteers here in Virginia, and she's having trouble with her eyes, and she's a very suffering servant. Could you say a prayer for her and for the church and all the intentions in our heart? Lord God Almighty, ancient of days, you who created all things good, I asked for Virginia for her courage, for her perseverance to offer her failing sight and offer her vision impairment for the church who cannot see herself where she is. Offer it for the blindness of the bishops and the cardinals. Offer it for those who cannot and will not see. Virginia, I thank you for giving us this opportunity to pray and join your suffering and apply it to the church so that the church might have clarity of vision and sight might be restored as Jesus himself restored the sight of the blind man and gave clear vision to him who had none. I thank you for this opportunity to be with you all. Please join your prayers. Join your prayers to one another. Worry not. Be not afraid. Pray with merit and thanksgiving to God for placing you and your soul in this place in this time. Amen, Amen. Kyle. Well put. You've been listening to Kyle Clement, Healing the Whole Person, WSFI 88.5 FM. Go with God. To Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.